Welcome to Marvel Cinematic University, the podcast where we cover all things in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And we've gotten ourselves to a point where we're just breaking off our own timeline, setting up our variants and putting it all on a Patreon. So check out our stuff over there at patreon.com slash mcuniversitypod. If you're interested, well, if you if you love us, you love the pod, um, you'll get unadulterated us in the Patreon, and uh, we're having a lot of fun doing it over there. And thank you to everyone, of course, so far who has signed up and uh, been supportive this whole time. But we are covering, uh, as it's going on right now, the Disney Plus series Loki, and we have just finished episode two, The Variant. And joining me today, it's an OG3 pod, starting off with super producer Jay Christie. How are you doing, buddy? I'm doing really well. And I just want to say, I that's a, this is how we know that Jerome is the pro who works in like the media space that he knows, like, <laughs> you can't wait until the end to plug the Patreon because people will stop listening. <laughs> and like the fact that, I remember when you did it last week, I'm like, shit, this guy knows what he's doing. We're all idiots <laughs> waiting until the end. People can just fast forward that. Anyway, I'm doing well. That's awesome. Uh, and Anthony Canton the third. how are you doing, buddy? Listen, I, I'm good. I got to echo his sentiments right there. That was expert. That was expert work by you. I appreciate you, that, bro. guys. I mean, like, what's truly impressive, unfortunately, this is only an audio medium, is that uh, Police Chief Mustache, you're rocking for us right now. Oh, yeah. Perfectly my, set my, for Father's My wife is not a fan of this. Not a this fan? Is my, this, is, this is my rebellion. Your mustache, you look <laughs> like, I'm looking at your mustache, AC, <laughs> looking at your mustache, AC, I'm like, oh, damn it, this is where he's going to take ask for my badge or my gun. because Yeah, yeah, no, it's it. entirely that at that point. Yeah, yeah. We, we are... We are taking off the TVA case at this point. Um, let's get into the episode. Okay, first off, I'm really liking this series so far, guys. Yeah. I think, yeah, I think, you know, two episodes in, it's obviously hard to say because we have like two full series in uh, WandaVision and uh, and Winter Soldier. Oh, geez, why am I blanking out? Uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier. But just, we talked about it a little bit this one's moving so quickly and this one's hitting all the points like r the things that you were just waiting for to happen like a few episodes in in the other ones and i'm just loving how it's going um like how are you guys feeling about this so far just like broad thoughts on the series in this episode jake i'll let you go first i would say i, I think that it's commitment to like world building um is really really special and I think it's um, like I could say I think it's too early to say whether or not I like it more than WandaVision, but I definitely like it more than the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, um, just because it feels yep. like it has much much more just distinct point of view and a much more distinct vision. Um, and I think that um, it's really like it's really strange in a way that uh, it, it, even though it's obviously one of like probably the biggest TV show in the world right now because it's Marvel it feels like a type of show that you would find on a streaming service that no one would have heard of like for like six yep. episodes. Like it just, it doesn't it, seem- it has, like, it has a hidden gem kind of quality. To it, it doesn't seem concerned really at all with being accessible. And mm -hmm. of course the secret of that is, cause I've listened to other podcasts talk about like, will people be able to follow along with it? Like the secret is that, well, yeah, there are people who just watch like the Infinity Wars and Endgames and don't really know all the lore. There are tens and millions of people who are as who are super deep into this shit. So, like, I think that it it it's really a testament to the confidence that Kevin Feige has in people's willingness to follow along that they're able to do something that is so immersive and so fun and so just like itself. It's so Loki at all times. There's a there's a quality to this show in the way that you can separate the obviously MCU part of it and just that it's its own thing. And I think there's a simplicity that this show pulls it off in that makes it so much digestible and probably just different uh, generally. And overall, like you're getting, you're getting like, I feel like a reinvigorated Tom Hiddleston in this role to this point. Um, you That's could, his point. energy is coming off the, it's, it's really coming yeah. off the screen. And then you add Owen Wilson to the mix and you have that dynamic there. And just everything around it, playing off of those two, makes this show very, very intriguing. Um, there's 
a lot that I don't really know like a hundred percent and I like that part of it. Yep. So like I'm following along and also I'm not doing the thing that I did in WandaVision. We're just going down all these different rabbit holes without <laughs> you're letting yourself kind feeling. of submit to the discovery not, of everything. Yeah, yeah. I'm not yeah. overthinking I'm not overthinking it this time. So I'm a, I'm actually enjoying it more because of that. And yeah. I just think that what they're doing here is I wonder if this is just an example of not only the uh, writing team and just everybody in general kind of having an idea of what they wanted to do from the start and really sticking yeah. to the idea that this is a TV show. And well, I think that's I, what they've I, done. I think that, point. and there is, you know, you use that word simplicity. Um, I think with WandaVision and Falcon and Winter Soldier, what they were coming in with in terms of their intent. Uh, with WandaVision being the, you know, the TV homages and hitting the times that way. And then with Falcon and Winter Soldier really wanting to tackle a lot of the social issues um, in the world today. I think in a lot of situations, we've all had various uh, varying feelings uh, across the room. It's either benefited or been a bit of a detriment. Like it's kind of like held back some of like the movement or some of what we wanted to see. Uh, whereas Loki just seems to be free of all of that. It's really just living in its own world. It's telling a specific story. It's not trying to have any particular messages. Although there are some things that are coming into this that we'll talk about, where they are tackling some things around like existential thought mm -hmm. and think uh, things around there. But generally speaking, it just feels. This one, while there is this big world building, is also very contained in a way that yeah. it's not getting in its own way, I feel. And I think that I could be wrong about this. Mm -hmm. And my, this might just be my experience because I'm a very passive viewer in that, like, I only I only ask the questions that things want me to ask. And that's not like, I think that that makes me just enjoy things more than other people. Like, not For sure. Not, it's, uh, enjoy, I'll say this, enjoy stuff that's not good more than other people because I don't ask right. follow-up questions that much. But I feel like, Whereas WandaVision and WandaVision, I think I, I think I might have probably liked it more than anyone of all the people on the podcast. I loved it just because the TV stuff really hit for me. But part of it, which was kind not exhausting, but the reason why AC was talking about how you don't have the theories as much is because I think WandaVision forced you into asking those greater questions. Because like the, the whole point was like that they intentionally it was slowly it unraveling a mystery exactly yeah and whereas the well, there are mystery mystical like mystery elements to this like we didn't know who the other loki was and we really don't know what's going on we don't know what uh, lady loki's plan is etc mm -hmm. maybe i'm wrong about this but i don't feel like that's what the show is about so much that's like, the show's not about yeah, trying yeah. to figure out those things those are just things yeah. that are happening in the story like and that's like yeah. yeah that's what's refreshing about it too and like let's get into the episode just because that's it that is where we're taking it off you know you you weren't sure when you're coming out of the first episode if this lady Loki well well let, let's spoil it here everyone's seen it already but this reveal of who the Loki is like if that was going to be the season arc that we're dealing yeah. with or something that was going to be immediately figured out which we find out after this episode happens here mm -hmm. and um, I even remember going into this episode and coming off the last one wondering like yes we're calling it a Loki variant but like. Is this Marvel kind of throwing a swerve on us again? Is this is really she a even a Loki? Is, yes, exactly. Is, is my current question, and we'll but get to like, that later. But yeah, let's get to that moment there. We start off the episode in Oshkosh, Wisconsin, 1985, where a squad of TVA agents arrive at a Renaissance fair. They are. Can in, I just say Oshkosh? Great, great name for a town. Big fan. Never fantastic. Oshkosh, bagosh. Yes, exactly. I mean, if anyone's going to be familiar with Oshkosh, bagosh, it's the father on the pod. <laughs> um, is Oshkosh, bagosh even still around? I. Are they still around? I don't you know. You know, that's a good I, question. I don't know. I know I, I had an aunt who used I to work there. I grew up. I just remember I, I used to wear a lot of them clothes when I was a kid. Yes, okay. Yeah, yeah. It that's, looks that's like they are. are still around. Okay. Maybe there's the, sorry, the one, the Palisades Mall in New York closed down. So I assumed that the whole thing went sh shuttered, but I guess. Palisades usually at the forefront of all fashion. I mean, it is the third biggest mall in the United States. So right. it actually is not, that's not that crazy. <laughs> it's not that crazy to say it. Um, well, our, our friends are at Oshkosh, uh, Wisconsin, not looking for any children's wear, but actually looking for the variant Loki. And they're attacked immediately. Um, they're let, lured into a trap. Um, one specific officer, C-20, is taken hostage in the process. Uh, we just get straight to the point here. Like, again, you know, we're seeing some of the Lokiness at work. This is like a moment where I'm still skeptical about 
whether we're even dealing with an actual Loki, but then now we're seeing possession going on, the kind of stuff that we saw in Avengers, this kind of things that we were seeing going on, like true God of Mischief work over here. Um, how did you guys like that scene? Um, I thought it was great. Uh, yeah. I, I, I just, and uh, I mean, you can't talk about the scene without the the, the music drop. Yeah, the music. Mm. Well, I was I was gonna let you talk so then I could talk. I it's great. You go. I it just it's no, a no, and I think like that's the thing when we're talking about the energy of this show. This mm-hmm. this show is just like we're doing whatever the fuck we want here. Like we're yeah. just having fun and we're just getting through. And um, yeah, I thought that I thought that was cool. You're, you're mentioning the powers and the way that those were used were just almost like more of an more of an extreme version of um, of Loki. Loki, because we haven't seen the whole like I'll put my spirit into your body type of yeah. thing, uh, almost like a, a body snatcher type of scenario <laughs> there. So I thought that was interesting too. It felt but like yeah, a Loki with like like a real like I'm here to really do some shit as opposed yeah. to our general mischief Loki. And, yeah, and so I, yeah. I, no, I was just going to finally say before you go, Jake, is that um, I think overall it kind of sets the it just sets the course that this this Loki or variant or whatever is um, just somebody that's not to be trifled with. Continuing the theme is like what we were left with the last episode was uh, her doing something. And then we jump right back in and see her doing something again, just to remind you that this this person is not to be trifled with. And I think the thing that the music choice does, one, I think that Marvel... The music choice being uh, just... Holding Out for a Hero by Bonnie Thank Tyler. Thank you. Um, I think that Marvel actually should use pop music more. Well, not because, not just because I love when pop music is used in movies. I think that I'm like Martin Scorsese where fuck a score, just give me the Rolling Stones sometimes. No, that's a joke. <laughs> but um, scores are very good when they're good, but some movies like... If you don't have Hans Zimmer or someone good, just don't bother. Anyway, um, that's Dallas of the thing, I believe. But anyway, that... I think the thing that the Marvel movies have over other superhero movies, like the DC universe, is that the Marvel movies take place in the real world. And I think that anytime you play a real song, it reasserts that. And so even though we know we're at a Renaissance Fair in Oshkosh, Wisconsin, I feel like there's just like so much more grounding when a modern song plays, when you see like magic happening. Cause it's like, this isn't just magic happening in Asgard in some faraway place. This is magic happening in the world. This is, you know. Um, and also I think that choice of a song, like an upbeat pop song, is in stark contrast to the last time we saw Lady Loki wreck shit, where it was like a specter of evil. Whereas this, it's kind of like fun, where it's like that. Mm-hmm. There's no question that Lady Loki is going to destroy these people because it's upbeat. Like this is beatdown music, you know. When you play a happy pop song during a fight scene, it's usually not uh, a tough battle, you know. <laughs> um, and I thought it really just set the tone. And obviously, also there's obviously the thing of holding out for hero of the whole show is about whether or not Loki is going to end up being a hero, et cetera, et cetera. But um, it just, it really made me just smile. And it was a great, to start the episode that way, it was really great. That was a really great uh, way to kick off. We go to the uh, opening title and we are entering back into TVA where Loki is going through his orientation slash training with Miss Minutes. It's a fun little exchange that's going there. And admits what just happened here, Mobius pulls him away to get out there and investigate the scene. And we, we got to stop here to shout out the Windbreaker. It's a it's a great look in my opinion. Um, I honestly thought about I I I'm like how much of a nerd would I be if I were to buy like one that like that. <laughs> I mean my my friends and I that I watched this with like we've already determined we're gonna be TVA agents for Halloween even if it's just us walking around. Yo, that's the perfect. Stuff. You know yeah. what? I think I may buy me a jacket myself. I, I mean you are sitting here as the police chief of the TVA. Yes. Like uh, if you know you, what? You know yeah, what? Done. Like. Done. 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 It's happening. It's happening. You know, we've got you in the Black Panther. What have what <laughs> other costumes have we had you in uh, in recent times? Like I assume um, I mean, you've put you in stuff, but that's mostly Photoshop. Uh, <laughs> right by you. Um, I <laughs> uh, wore an Iron Man costume. Um, probably, but this was probably bef- this was before this pod before even it. started. So nice. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like I had my uh, pre MC University Pod Thor costume. Um, yeah. I know TV agents. It's 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 a good look, and honestly, you would just look like your casual like millennial. Loki did the the thing where he put his fingers through his hair. He was feeling mm. himself. In oh, there, he was in definitely feeling yeah. himself. <laughs> um, we we go with them to the crime scene itself, and we're we're presented here with what kind of felt like your like classic CSI type monologue scene where Loki is breaking down and trying to uh, really get into the mind of the other Loki, who he considers the lesser of the two. And uh, I think what I love about the scene, I love to hear you guys talk about it too, is 
it's all bullshit, but we get straight to the point and he's called out immediately. Yeah, I think that this show, just the thing that I respect a lot about it, and it goes to the ending of the episode, is that like it respects the audience's intelligence to know that like I think it even knows that like the trepidation behind having a Loki series is it's like we've seen this dude trick people 25 times and every time he (laughs) tricks the problem, one of my problems with Loki generally as a character beforehand was that the audience, as, as an audience member, I always knew he was tricking Thor before Thor did. And it's never fun to be ahead of the main character. Like that's just uh, yeah. generally bad writing, unless it's like very on purpose. Um, and so I'm like, I don't want to watch this be that like Loki's secretly running a scam and then realize it. But it just, I think it also set places Mobius's relationship with him in a much different place than Thor's. So that's like, whereas Thor would go to the ends of the earth still believing Loki's bullshit. Mobius doesn't even buy it for two minutes, you know? And I think that that's, it's like, you don't, you, you don't have to worry about the show being Loki tricking Mobius. Well, also it's like a, cha- it's also, it sets a challenge for Loki too, is that this is not his normal, like, oh, I can just trick this person and get over it as yeah. he normally does. Everything is predetermined in the sense that Mobius knows what he's going to do. So therefore, um, and he knows his character. It's just like that, to- right? Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah, just- absolutely. The uh, Mobius breaking it down, the notion of him gaining favor in order to turn on them. Like, they all know the formula at this point. Um, and yet Loki still tries it, which is pretty funny in that to <laughs> that end. Um, but yeah, so it becomes a very unsuccessful um, mission there. And that puts Mobius in front of one Ravona Renslayer, played by who, Jake? Goo-goo. That's right, but sir. Well, you know, I did, I was bored this weekend. I was on HBO Max. I fired up uh, season three, episode, I think, seven or eight of Doctor Who, the, the Lazarus Experiment, which is the first time I ever saw Gugu. She's like 22. <laughs> she doesn't have much to do with her, but I'm like, I'm on a Gugu kick. And there you go. We're on a Gugu kick. Um, do you look for the exhibit at the Gugu Inheim? Wow, the Gugu Inheim. I don't know if you guys saw my tweet where I said any <laughs> action figure of Ravona is a Gugu doll. But, nice, um, nice, nice, nice. <laughs> um, so they talk about first Mobius's methods and just whether he's doing the right thing there, but that's really not the point of this conversation, at least to some of our uh, deeper thinking, searching for some answers, uh, fans. AC, I think we're getting some tidbits of uh, another character lurking in the background in this uh, scene that's going on here. There's a certain other favorable agent that goes unnamed. Do you want to talk about who that could be or who you might feel it is? No, well, there's a couple of things first. So, like, before I get to that little focus on the pen scenario with the name Franklin, I know it said Franklin Roosevelt. I'll get to that in a second. Just the way that the the TVA and the timekeepers are presented in that office and Mm -hmm. just, like, the monuments to these three timekeepers it's almost like a shrine. It's almost like yeah. this, they're this over these overlords and the way that Ravona talks about them, that that's the, the other way with such, such respect, like they're Kings, uh, Kings above Kings. And it's a reverence. And yeah, yeah, yeah. That. And, and, and in the Mobius conversation with Loki, we get to later, it's kind of, you get this same type of vibe, like there, it, it almost feels like, how a lot of people view the government or how a lot of people uh, view sometimes people who are into dictators and, and things like that. That's kind of like the, the vibe that I got from that scene in general. It's like, if you have somebody like who's into, I mean, to, sorry to throw into politics, but just the people who like support Donald Trump and just like that idea of, of viewing him as a deity um, it's kind of like had the vibe, the way that she was talking about him. I found that part interesting. But Even more so it's just accepting everything yeah. at face value and without the, question. The thing that I actually thought was the interesting contrast is that I think it's fine. There are people who are very religious who talk about deities like deities. Like I actually didn't really get the political thing. I just kind of took it as she's talking about a god. The difference is that unless you are a like you know uh an apostle in the time of jesus you aren't like working for a god you know what i mean yeah. like that's that it's one thing to, that it's the whole tva is run by what they treat as gods but the work they do for them is very actionable and that's like a thing that is 
doesn't really yeah. fit together. They you know? as, far as, as far as we know, they can go see them anytime. Here, too, Exa- you know? Exactly. It's it's the contrast of the, its religious vibe, but they're yeah. actually in contact with the actual gods. And so yeah, like, yeah. that is a thing that right. is bizarre. Yeah, because like they also exist as like the way they t- like they are created by these beings. You exactly. Know? Our three exactly. lizards. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> the space space lizards. Um so that pen, that Franklin pen, I think it said Franklin Roosevelt on it. So as we know, the King the Conqueror is actually Franklin Richards, uh, descendant of Reed Richards. So I'm, I'm assuming just that little Franklin thing was just a little nod to Kang that he's around somewhere. And uh, I'm guessing allegedly at some point we'll see him in the series. So I thought that was just a, like a nice little clever. Let's just throw that in there. I mean, everything that we had talked about and, you know, Dalvin on that last episode really broke down the different ways this can branch off and what could happen and what are Kang's um, motivations. I, you know, we'll get to it once we cover this whole episode, but everything seems lined up for someone to come in uh, that really fits a Kang type character. Yeah, the timekeepers are mm-hmm. really keeping watch on this variant situation. They're paying attention to every single move, that type of stuff, especially with Ravona's relationship with Kang in the comics. So it, it just seems like an organization in disarray. Um, but I just want to shout out. I don't know if it's I did the Marvels, like Dallas Mavericks, at the moment. If we're gonna have to, be <laughs> honest about it. The, I, I don't think I mentioned this last week, but I do want to shout out the fact that when uh, Gugu Mbatha was on Jimmy Kimmel live, uh, Jimmy Kimmel, who's a huge nerd about this stuff, asked her, like, and Rafona, if I remember correctly, her boyfriend in the comics is a guy named Kang the Conqueror. You know anything about that? And I appreciate that he asked her because you don't That's expect great. that, I'm, you expect that, I'm like, you know, uh. Uh, if Mul- Murphy's multiverse were to interview her, you expect right, her, but not or on like, or the, or the panel television. at like a Comic Con or something yeah. like that. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I think we see some seeds planted here. And shout out AC for really not deep diving or going too heavy into it. This is, I don't know, if we call this growth, but we we definitely call this a, a variant AC for sure in this case for this uh, series. <laughs> um, so. We still need to solve the mystery of this Loki and finding this Loki. So Mobius puts our protagonist Loki to work. He is in a reference library. He is looking up all kinds of clues based on his own life. Loki, of course, is trying to get his finesse going and he tries to charm his way into getting more information. He wants to get to the timekeepers as soon as possible. None of that is working. And finally, when he sits down and starts working through it, he starts reading about Ragnarok. Well, that's actually not what happens. It's when he tries to get the stuff that's classified, he asks mm-hmm. what he is allowed to read, and the only things he's allowed to read right, are about exactly. his life. Exactly. And so he's reading about Ragnarok, and he start some like a light bulb goes off, something clicks in his head. And Jake, what is he starting to notice in terms of the potential of finding the other Loki? Okay, I think that this is so clever, and I just love this as a conceit. But basically, the idea is because we know that it's strange that they can't find the other loki because technically speaking wherever someone who's out of time should be they should be able to sense because there should be some variance energy but what he realizes is if you go somewhere right before there's an apocalyptic event like a ragnarok any evidence of you change you wouldn't have actually changed anything because everything you interacted with was destroyed and everyone you interacted with died so everything would be exactly the same so what he realizes is oh the other loki must be hiding in an apocalyptic event because then even if she talks to every single person in like a 10 mile radius, if they all die, then doesn't, there's no variance energy because everything moves on exactly the same. Right. Um, and he tests that theory by taking Mobius to pre-volcano Pompeii, uh, where they have get into a little bit of hijinks. And eventually Mobius- Oh, Jerome. Come- What's up? Jerome, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I, I did want to say this too, because, mm-hmm. because it's something that I've been watching, especially after the way that the first episode went with him. As Loki is reading and finding this out about Ragnarok, is like you see this little bit of emotion come to his eyes. It's like this silent yep. moment, um, reading about the event that hadn't occurred yet for him. So I thought that was interesting, and and how he kind of plays off it later. But continue. Yeah, that, no, no, that that is an interesting. It, it definitely is a callback. Um, it's one of those things that. I feel like you have to take it at face value too because he is alone in the moment. There's nothing for him to play up to anyone. So 
right. you have right. to believe that's a sincere emotion that he's having. Um, so he reveals everything to Mobius. Mobius gets on board with the theory and he goes back to a clue that they have in the first episode, the gum that was left behind in 1549 France. And this piece of gum is identified as coming from, you know, in from the future, actually, uh, that dates them toward a specific event in Haverhills, Alabama, 2015, where a hurricane occurs. And they realize this is where this is where they think the other variant Loki is located. But before we get there, we actually have a very interesting scene that goes on between Mobius and Loki. And this is where I want to bring AC in because he was tweeting about it too. You know, we already started touching upon this, this notion of the timekeepers and TVA and almost the blind acceptance of everything that's going on. And clearly Loki himself does not really buy it, even though he does understand the sheer power of it. And so they have this conversation about it. They go back and forth. Uh, Loki really questioning um, Mobius's belief of it and why he is he seems to not accept um any kind of like higher critical thinking about it ac how did you take this scene like what were you getting out of it well i i just think the not only the idea of free will but also yeah. the idea of what mobius thinks the tva is as in this uh deity that isn't to be questioned like this is just how it is and that's it and often that's how it is in religion even the acceptance people... of when it ends like it right. will just it, end and he's just fine yeah, it will it. just end and that's yeah. what's supposed to happen and you know there's no questioning it at all it's almost like a, it's almost a faith of some sort and knowing knowing religious people having gone to church as a kid is like you think about these things growing up and the idea of questioning um, all of these things is uh, I just found very fascinating and I think um, when Mobius says existence is chaos well you, you always see it like you know if you um, even think about we're watching like the NBA right now and you see it's ravaged by injuries what is the one thing that you see most players say when they first face their injury or going into rehabilitation they always go God has plans yeah. You know, like everything is like planned out. Everything is faded. Everything is meant to be. Jake, you were uh, nodding along. What do you have? I was just going to say your close friend Drake has a song about God's plan. But yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> no, no, but, no, what I actually was going to say is that I also think I think it's interesting, though, because Mobius's faith to me makes sense, given that he doesn't know anything else that like, obviously you can. There are some people who just independently have a question faith or whatever like that. But if you like if the only thing you ever knew was like if you never met someone who doesn't have the exact same faith as you and you exclusively just grew up around everyone who has the exact same faith like most people would never question it because there's no alternative it's also like you're simply saying like, created, it's very it's very tangible it's not like this is something that was like told or existed or uh, occurred thousands of years ago or hundreds of years ago and you are just made to believe these stories you are they are living it yeah yeah, yeah and, I, and I think, like, the other thing is Loki's temperament in this conversation changes as opposed to what we saw in episode one. He's picking up on Mobius's, uh, the way that he's speaking about these things. It's like he even refers to Mobius calling him a scared little boy. Right. And uh, I found that interesting, too, because it's just like, it just shows quickly, like, the evolution and him picking up on what he's saying and stuff mm -hmm. like that. So, like, Mobius says... I'm just lucky that the chaos I emerged into gave me all this, my own glorious purpose, because the TVA is my life and it's real because I believe it's real. And then Loki replies to him, fair enough, you believe it's real. So everything is written, past, present, future. There's no such thing as free will. And Loki isn't saying this as like, uh, as, uh, as you would expect him to say it, as mm -hmm. in mocking him. He's asking him like, is this yeah. really, this is really what you're doing here? It's really and way then, about. And then Mobius tries to explain it. Well, well, it's kind of just an oversimplification. And I just found that back and forth um, so fascinating in general. And I love the way that the two of them are playing off of each other. It's just such sure. a, it's just such a great relationship and chemistry. It's like it really crackles and snaps well, off the screen. I think what's also good about this is 
we are seeing already a new dynamic to the relationship after just one episode. Because I think when you're looking at Mobius, and obviously I have been just raving about how excited I am about Owen Wilson, but this is not just like happy-go-lucky, charming Owen Wilson. Like already in this episode, you see he's frustrated and annoyed with Loki. You can tell that he is really kind of revealing to some degree a lot of the cards that he wants. Like, yes, he has a particular interest that charms him about Loki, but he also just really wants to get this mission done and solve this case. And he's doing the things that he thinks will get him there. So it's not like I think there is some sort of mutual, I wouldn't say admiration, but mutual interest between the two of them. But we are seeing different layers, I would say, to Mobius already at this point, you know, whether it's his yeah. um, faith to the TVA, whether it's his now visible frustration and how this is going. Um, he's not just, you know, that like kind of one dimensional side character we're used to where they're just really a one note acting a particular way. Right. Yeah. And I think the I think the other thing is, is, and Loki says this too, and I really love this quote, is he says, nobody's truly good and nobody's truly bad. And it just reminds you that there's that gray area. And sure. often, often in religion, it's just either you're really good or you're really bad. Heaven, right. hell, that type of thing. Yeah. There's no, there's no purgatory. There's no in between. So I think just that conversation in general just really fascinated me because there's just so many parallels between the two. That um yeah it's it, it really takes it really takes this show from what you because I, I was not expecting this I was not expecting this level of conversation and thought being put mm-hmm. into uh, this show so far. Now AC, I have a question. When yes. Mobius says that he was made by the TVA, does that mean that he was like spontaneously generated That's by the time? This is I'm like was trying to figure created? that part out. Yeah, I didn't know if the, okay, I didn't know if we were supposed to take that at face value or what. So if you don't know, I assume we're going to get an answer, right? Well, I th- I feel like once we eventually get to the timekeepers, um, or even maybe the variant will explain as such, mm-hmm. uh, maybe from her vantage point, uh, we'll get that answer. But um, yeah, it's a really good question so far. I mean, let's get to the variant. So. We arrive at the department store. Um, the team splits up. This time, uh, Agent V15 wants Loki to go with them. And they're looking through the store. They find someone who is shopping in what appears to be completely dire straits. Uh, I don't, there's no reason why anyone should be in that store yeah. collecting supplies at that time. Well, no, and they're not even collecting supplies, looking at plants. Looking at plants. Uh, and like pre-hurricane, although I guess they don't necessarily know yet that's exactly coming. Well, no, it's, but, oh, it's mid-hurricane even because there are people in the shelter at the same time. Fair enough. Um, well, they're looking through it, and obviously we get straight to the point of realizing this is another possessed character by our variant who then grabs B-15 and possesses them immediately, and we get ourselves a little bit of a Loki versus not quite Loki yet standoff, which is like a really fun thing. Um, that's going on and you know while this is happening separately Mobius and his team find C20 who confesses that they've revealed the location of uh, the time um, sorry the timekeepers to uh, to our other Loki there's so many Lokis to deal with at this point I should just say Lady Loki at this point uh, right now but yeah everything is happening until all of a sudden everything is happening and we get ourselves a reveal. Hood comes up. We got ourselves a Loki, but it's a lady Loki. And they they immediately start executing their plan. So they've been, she's been collecting all these time reset devices. And she's activated them. And AC, why don't you tell us what happens at this moment? Well, what it looks like, and we cut to the TVA itself, and it looks like just... Um a complete nexus event where all of the branches are like just, just branches not, upon branches are yeah branches upon branches which means that you know not only just multiple timelines but maybe even multiple universes things like that and so, multiverse for short is what you might well yeah <laughs> yeah there you go you hit the nail on the head jerome um um it's i so that's the thing like there there's a lot of questions yeah. in general about what's the plan here besides yeah. are, is she trying to just destroy the tva destroy time as the sacred time as we know it mm-hmm. i'm not exactly sure but 
whatever she's doing, it's a uh, it's a lot. It's a it's an amazing scene just to see all that come together. And again, the kind of thing that I just did not expect seeing happen soon. If anything, you know, to Jake saying it at the beginning of the episode, we might be entering what we feel is going to carry the rest of the season. Just either the undoing or dealing of what is happening at the end of this episode. Jake, how did you take in um, just all the chaos? I thought it was really well done. It just like, cause you could, you picked up on pieces of it every moment where like, it's like, oh, these are all rigged at the same time. And then when you saw that, when you realized that they were all going different places. Um, and since we had so much time looking at the- Donnie like, Nelson quicks, Rick Carlisle <laughs> resigns. It's just like, we don't even know what is the identity at this point. But we, we had so much time looking at like the timeline on that like little reader that, and we knew how much they reacted when they saw one change. And so to see, like we kind of got that visual language so that it, you, we got the gravity of seeing all the different ones diverge. Um, and it really felt like, and the reactions of the guys in the TVA felt like it was like Chernobyl, you know? Um, and it, it, I just thought it was really well done. And I think that like we talked about, um, I think, I, I think that I, I, I think this, a lot of lesser shows would spend more time on trying to stop Lady Loki and then like halfway through or towards the end of the season, Lady right. Loki goes through with her plan. But yeah. like, there's not, it didn't really dilly dally with it. It was like, it, you think Mo the show's most be shows and, or movies are spending its entire time trying to stop a doomsday event from happening. Exactly. And then reckoning with it in its like final yeah. climate, like final act. And we get it in the opening act. Yeah. And, and, and if, cause it feels like it kind of, it wasn't a fake out, but it, you would think, you would, I, I could see the show after the first episode being that the rest of the show is about tracking down and stopping uh, other Loki, you know? We, and that's, but that's honestly, not what it that's is. Honestly, that's what I thought we were heading, yeah. Because there's, because I don't, you know, because there's more to do and uh, clearly, <laughs> and they have more in, plan, in store. And I think that that's really exciting because I have no idea where it's going to go now. I thought after mm -hmm. the first episode, I had an idea. Now I have no idea. I mean, the other thing that too, that like, you know, for us that have, you know, watched all these shows and movies and at the same time watched a number of trailers leading up, so often the notion of a trailer is it will reveal essentially what happens in the first two to three episodes. Granted, we might not see um, certain things, but when you still look at the trailer and the events that are happening there, I just assume we would have seen all that stuff already by now. Now I have no idea where they're going to appear. I assume still early in the season because you never tend to reveal things that happen later on, or at least not obviously. But at the same time too, the way these first two episodes have played out and where it's going, it's hard to say. Just to close out the episode, Lo um, Our Lady Loki heads out through a time door. Loki follows immediately afterward. Mobius is left alone in just complete frustration pissed the fuck off because he's lost his partner and we're in the credits now where are we gonna go can we next? talk about that score like yeah talk that, to us the music it. yeah the score is great it's really good it's like, i've been a big fan I, I had a note in the first episode that uh it just it had the score in general has given me a lot of like a clockwork orange kubrickian mm -hmm. type vibe and, mm -hmm. and um, i noticed that in the scene in ravona's office mm -hmm. they had a theremin in the score which yeah. is like the most sci-fi instrument that exists. Exactly. Um, and it the, always, if you, do, you, do you watch with the captions on? Because it actually says theremin playing. Uh, no, I don't watch with the captions on. I just know what a theremin sounds yeah, like. Thank yeah, you yeah. very much. Yeah. But, no, 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 no. But I just say that no, like, no. it's yeah, so yeah. fun to like actually see them like noted as well. Yeah. it And it, it that just, it's, there's nothing else like it. It, it sounds like sci-fi. So, um, yeah. Yeah. Um. So, so the deal with uh, our our lady Loki that um, was picked up. So earlier, Loki is reading the reading documents on the variant, and the name of the variant is actually Sylvie Lafay Datir. So obviously, uh, Lafay son is Loki's um, actual last name, but um, Lafay Datir and the name Sylvie is the same name, uh, not the last name, but the first name, Sylvie, is the same name of the Thor villain, the Enchantress. 
Um, okay. So those those particular powers that she used um, that we saw at the the outset of the episode were kind of like the type of stuff that the enchantress does. Does that um, so, does that mean that like we might not be uh, might not be dealing with a lady Loki in that case? Well, or? that's that's like kind of my question. Like they're okay. putting the name in there, and um, is this is this just that, or is it somebody else? Like I'm not exactly sure what the the meaning behind that is, but I also I, but I found that interesting that. That that well, let me have this question. I don't know if you don't like you mentioned you aren't doing as deep a dive, but mm-hmm. um, are there implications? And if you don't know, that's totally fine. Like, are there implications yeah. if it goes one way or another? Like, if it's a lady Loki or is an an enchantress? Like, does how uh, how do you see that perhaps changing where this goes? So, if if I were thinking as I was normally thinking, then I would think that hey, maybe it's actually the enchantress. But if I'm thinking as just as how Marvel shows have tended to go, don't overthink it too much. So it's probably a Lady Loki. Okay. Probably there's a good chance we may see uh, even another Loki as uh, we continue on this traveling. Because now that we Loki even got to is- see some holographs of other types of right. Lokis, which was a really fun moment. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I would yes. say on top of that, AC, that I think that. I think usually for a good reason, Marvel will like combine villain origin stories. So I can imagine right. even making the what ends up being the Enchantress power set wise, make it instead like start off as a variant Loki or something like that. Sure, um, true. Just because I I feel like while it wouldn't shock me if it turns out that this isn't actually uh, a Loki, it feels like um, it would they would need a good reason to do that twist. Because, like, when they tell you that it's another Loki, that's not said as if it's not true. You know what I mean? Like, it it, it would just feel like you were lied to earlier in the show if it's just, like, Mm -hmm. surprise, that's not actually Loki. Because, um... Yeah, yeah, it's not in the kind of way that, you know, how we reveal who the power broker is. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I think the I think the que- I think the question that's 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 that can be asked here. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, we referred to the multiversal war in episode one as mm-hmm. Miss Minutes broke all of that down. Yep. Is this and I pose this question: Is this a, a situation where this Loki came from one of the was a remnant of that war? Yeah. And okay. Yes. Was not exactly is not exactly pleased with the tva um, because it just feels like the tva is something that somebody who took part in a war probably to destroy the tva Mm. would not be happy about in general these overlords and who gives them the word that gets a right to history right so we don't really know what necessarily happened yeah so that's where like that's where i'm intrigued to kind of, and I'm guessing next week we'll we'll learn a little bit more mm-hmm. about uh, what her whole deal is regarding that. But um, yeah, I think the I think a lot lies with the TVA, and I think that line that Loki said about nobody's truly good and nobody's truly bad, mm-hmm. I think really does apply to the TVA and the Timekeeper. Because I think the thing that I noticed too, which I think is interesting, is that the TVA, when you describe what their job is, you would think that the language the people who work for them would be like oh they're just objective they're just objective but the way that they talk about them it's like they talk about them as if they're doing good as if what they're doing is objectively good but like right, that's right. not like the person who's in job but make it is a job is to ensure they're not enforcing time. based on a particular set of laws or truths or facts as much as they're executing the uh essentially the commands or directives of three space lizards exactly and their will is unknowable and even if they say that they're doing what's best for the timeline that's you know to be seen it's it's not like they have a specific set of rules that like every it's everything we've already keep- established that like even what we would think our nexus events aren't necessarily mm-hmm. nexus nexus events mm-hmm. some get in uh enforced others don't others that appear to be uh end up being as they were intended you know exactly and so I think anytime you have anyone in any story claiming to do something that is objectively good and beyond reproach, spoiler alert, they're getting reproached. Like that's kind of right, the whole right, thing. Exactly. And that's how it I, works. I'm, I'm excited to see what, because I, I don't think that Lady Loki's master plan is as simple as just wanting to take down the TVA for just because she's mischievous. 
uh, there's probably something more going on. And so I want to know what. I mean, this lady is. Loki is supposed to be a truly dangerous one, so we would have to assume their plan is more complex. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Especially with the way that she scoffed at the idea of taking over the TVA as yeah. uh, Loki For sure. tried to offer. It was beneath. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And by the way, I just um, want to say that I don't know about you, but I feel like I was right about uh what we talked about there being lady loki that Lady loki absolutely would want to flirt and uh fuck lady loki i definitely felt that energy i don't know if i'm the only one but i think i i I, I thought about you when that uh reveal happened i i don't know that there's enough there yet i think they just need to i I think they just need to have an interaction that's true in that in a different circumstance other than uh this big moment happening that's Um, but i would say it's not off the table yeah, I would say, no, I would say it's on the table. the table. It's on the table. It's there. You know, I mean, obviously, I, I'm not, I'm no Mobius, but I know Loki. I mean, it's, like, <laughs> it's, it's, uh, it's, it's on the menu. They just have to decide if they want the dish. That's true. Right. Um, you know, it's, it's just really exciting, like what's happening here and how quickly it's moving. Um, I just want to kind of connect back to things that, because, I feel like the first episode, whether it's our episode of the pod or the episode itself was just so heavy and things that it was establishing. I just kind of want to connect back and we mentioned it here. So we have many timelines and we also have what appears to be a TVA that is not in control of their situation. And one thing that Dalbin or um, it might've been UAC uh, pointed out on the pod last week is there are particular extremist agents that might be in the background that feel like they know what they should be doing to fix all of this immediately. And I feel what happens at the end of this episode really connects back that we, you know, between that and the pen and all that going on, like it would be ridiculous if Kang doesn't show up. Yeah, absolutely. And you got that. And also, and you mentioned that in terms of extremists, you have a couple of agents, at least one in each episode so far, mm-hmm. who just seems like a total dick. Like we got, <laughs> the, like we got the first one, um, where, like right before uh, Lady Loki killed him at the end of the first episode. Yep. Um, earlier in that episode, the way that he was kind of talking to Mobius was yep. a little like, oh, he had a little bit of an attitude. And then this one, as they're trying to get, uh, I think it's C20, um, yes. trying to, as Mobius is trying to, you know, revive her and get her out of the stupor that she's in, um, this dude that's standing right next to Mobius is like, just very frustrated with the whole situation. It's like, well, there's no saving her or whatever. So I mean, I did, their whole approach to everything is really just resetting or just completely, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so I I found that interesting, too. So I wonder if that theme is going to continue as we go along. Um, Just the idea that you mentioned Mobius's frustration in general in this episode Mm -hmm. was a little bit of a was a a nice little turn and how you realize that he was just as much trying to manipulate Loki. Of course, uh, which, again, is also not a surprise. We know that. But it is cool to see him just openly say it, which is not a thing that, again, I feel like I would expect to get yeah. uh, in this. Um, you know, like on that train of thought, let's look ahead. AC, what are you looking forward to next episode and beyond? So I gotta be honest, like the Kang thing, I feel like we're not gonna get to the end. So like- Yeah, I, that I, seems that, fair. That's, a, that's, on the back, that's on the back burner for me. Um, I think right now, I wanna know more about exactly what Lady Loki's plan is, mm-hmm. um, why she's doing this, the- and essentially the travels that they're going to go on because um, I have it on I have it on good mind and good authority that we're going to see like different versions of different characters like nice. Thor and stuff like that. So really just okay. how those just how those things are going to go uh, should be should make for a very fun uh show going forward and obviously more on uh Judge Renslayer. What's like what's her deal? I want to yeah. know more about um her mindset towards this situation is the way they've been playing uh Renslayer in this so far it's it's not a background character like it's a key player in this series yeah so far and so far it's been close to the vest for the most part for sure but, um it's pretty clear that you know she's a major she grabs a weapon as this is uh starting to as fall this apart is concluding. yeah yeah so she so she's gonna get involved in some major way and uh, and I just think um, also like this journey of Loki um, as a character 
mm-hmm. is just honestly it's really refreshing i was not expecting this in any way at all so um i'm very happy to see that this is the direction that they've chosen to go and i just want to see how it evolves nice jake what are you looking forward to I'm looking forward to seeing the, and AC kind of touched on this, but the ramifications of Lady Loki's big plan, like with the different timelines and all that, um, because it really, it, it there's so many possibilities. And I'm not, and I also just want to kind of see what they do visually, like how do they demonstrate um, all these different timelines and how do they get between them, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I think that's all going to be super interesting to watch. And I, I do want to see uh, how Loki plays off of Lady Loki. Cause I think that I think a good way of, cause I think a lot of people are like, cause I think in some regard, Loki's going to come out of this being at least a medium character. I mean, he's not going to be an out throughout villain. He's going to be not so much a hero, but someone that is not all evil by the end of the show. I imagine yeah. just based on the fact that I think they want to reset Loki because um I just think that because there's people like, is this Tom Hiddleston's swan song? It's like, no, Tom Hiddleston is the executive producer on the show. He was like in the writer's room. He is, right. this is not, it's like, he's not done. He was uh, the one telling everybody, like he was giving them cliff notes on the character in yeah. general for like, right. this is what happened here. This is what yeah. happened here. So he loves playing Loki and clearly, and he's got the bag, there are bags to be secured that like he's not done. And so I think oh, that they well, need to reset him <laughs> in some way to make him. And, and I know in modern comics, he's a hero, not a, at least like an anti-hero kind of in right. a lot of stuff. Like he's not all evil. Um, and I think that playing him against a Loki in Lady Loki that seems legitimately evil, I think is a good way of making him better because if it's like if you could if you were someone who is morally compromised but then you met the worst possible version of yourself i imagine that that would make you want to be a better person and i think that that's kind of what the dynamic might be and i think that if that's the case then it's exciting to me and we went to the death scenario already with infinity war so i don't think that they're doing that again so at this point right now we're just looking at character development and how that plays out should be really interesting yeah i think um my only thing to add on top of that is we've kind of gone through two episodes of Loki doing his Loki thing, but also kind of just getting hit with a bunch of reality checks. And I yes. wouldn't mind having a more extended period of just unhinged hijinks Loki. Yeah. Yeah. I love hijinks Loki. We only got, a, yeah, only a couple minutes of that in the, uh, the you know? Italy volcano scenario. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and so I think especially because we have this other lady Loki in the picture now. Um, it's almost like you can let different Lokis be different. Ver- like he could be the fun one. <laughs> that makes yeah. He can be fun. Uncle Loki in that way. <laughs> um, so yeah, we're, we're, let's, let's see where this all goes. Uh, thank you everyone to listen. Uh, whoa, for whoa, listening whoa. To There's this. one thing I want to, you, I thought oh, you were like any last thoughts. Oh yeah. Let's go to last There's thoughts. something very important. Let's now, I actually it. have no experience with these, but as someone from Florida, I would be remiss if I didn't talk about the fact that there's a full minute-long conversation about jet skis. Um, <laughs> what he said, like, what is like, the meaning of, like, freedom and humanity? And I think that that is just, like, details like that made me so happy. Um, I think that this episode just had a lot of details um, that are really special. And specifically, and I was going to bring it up earlier, but I think we moved on to something else, about with Mobius, how we see again, we see in the first episode with the kid with um like with the candy and how he talks to the little girl and how he talks to agent 20 here or ac whatever 20 that i don't know if there's gonna be a break between him and the tva but you talk about how like the other tva agents we meet we meet some that are like dicks i actually think that it's the i think it's the opposite i think that the standard tva person is like that and i think that mobius is different in that he cares about people like I think that yep. even though he talks yeah, I think all the time about the, out. the sacred timeline, that's what he cares about. I don't think that he is as, even though he's, I think believes all that stuff. I think that we're going to get to a point where he's gonna have to make a decision between the sacred timeline and a person like caring because he clearly has more empathy than the average. They're painting person. him as the rogue. I, I think, and like, in a, but for positive reasons, because he's not right, him, exactly because he's not reasons. a blind zealot. And, and in right. fairness, too, because, like, if you were to truly believe what the TVA is prescribing, then, like, it would make you so indifferent and so cold to every being because all they are is to exist to fit your timeline. Whereas Mobius does believe that, but at the same time really has a empathy and respect for the humanity of everyone. Yeah. 
Yeah, exactly. Oh. And that's and I think that that's just fascinating because I think that that's also a thing in stories about, you know, religious orders, mm-hmm. the people who are like, wait, does humanity and empathy and dignity not come before these things? Um, yeah. Are the always the most interesting characters. And I think that that's, and, and, and to talk about Owen Wilson, I think it is funny that like, at least someone my age, I really only know him as like the shitty comedy Owen Wilson, but like <laughs> he really was in the early 2000s, People were like, oh man, this is the next great American actor. And the world right. kind of just fell off with drugs and all that stuff. And and I think that it's like, oh yeah, he's a great actor. Like he's not he, he's, he, he's not he's a doing he's, so well. He's a great actor who happened to do a lot of comedies, but he's like a great actor first and foremost. Yeah. And it's uh it's really special to watch him just like cook because he hasn't been in anything good in like I mean, anything anything where he has a substantial role where he's good in it in at least a decade. So and, and the thing and that's also like a real credit to the series because they easily could have just made Owen Wilson exactly what he was in that first episode the whole way through. Yeah. Just entirely charming, laughing things off, carefree, but no, they're letting him like you said, let him cook. Um yeah, AC, I mean, do you have any final thoughts? Yeah, I do. Um as much as I've enjoyed, and I've absolutely enjoyed the the interplay between both Mobius and Loki, I really am hoping that this episode, this next episode, is kind of a split up from that. Yeah, and we just get that we just get the Loki and Lady Loki dialogue for the majority of it, and we kind of see the other side of things, and then we can always go back to it because as much as I've enjoyed these these first two episodes, I hope they continue to change the pace and mix things up as they've done. Fairness, a lot of the so stuff far. in episode two are in some ways kind of like recycled scenes from one. Like, I think that's why I didn't think too much about his emotional moment because we had like a far deeper um, meaningful moment in one that was like really all that again. Like it was just kind of like retreading the same territory in some ways. Yeah, but I but that's like that's what I liked actually um, about this episode is because he has that moment, but mm-hmm. then he's able to kind of continue on and, and translate it as opposed to where, when he was wallowing in in episode one. Right. Um, he evolves to the point where he can now think about these things and like he's managing his grief Mo- like in a more right managing yeah, okay. his grief, right. figuring things out and challenging Mobius's beliefs at the same time. And it feels like he has a purpose, whereas in episode one, he didn't, even though he yep. wouldn't admit to ever actually caring about this. He clearly yeah. does. Like the excitement mm-hmm. he has when he comes up with a theory about apocalypses, like clearly he's mm-hmm. uh, jazzed about doing this. And I think that that's- Quickly, we're removing all the pretense at this point. Yeah, like exactly. He's just in, yeah. All right. Um, let's move to a conclusion then. Um, thank you so much for uh, listening to this episode. Uh, as always, let's run through the room. AC, where can they find you? You can find me on Twitter at Anthony Canton underscore three. As per usual, I'll have something written on this week's Loki episode at murphysmultiverse.com. And uh, yeah, you can check that out. And obviously, I'm sure Jerome will run through everything else at the end. <laughs> Jakey. You can follow me on Twitter at the J Christie. That's my other podcast, No Funk and Strictly Monk, and with on, me and Andre Barrera, where we talk about the USA Network original series Monk. We're actually almost we're in season seven. There's only eight seasons, so we're almost done. Oh wow! Oh boy! What what would what do you have journey. any ideas of what your next series would be? Uh, I, I mean, if I actually don't know if we're gonna do another one, just because it mm-hmm. is difficult to do two times a week when we're not in quarantine. But the mm-hmm. answer obviously is psych would just be that's like okay. a logical thing because that was the show that was literally on after Monk. Um, <laughs> and like the creator of Monk, when we talked to him, it's like, hey, if you want to get Steve Frank's Twitter psych, I have his number. So like, it, it's kind of all set up for us. If, right. but I, if we're definitely gonna take a, a long break, no matter what happens. As you deserve. Uh, you can find me at the Black Dragon Roll. You can find this podcast at MC University Pod on Twitter. Also, as mentioned at the top of the episode, if you love this stuff and you love us, subscribe to our Patreon. Patreon.com slash MC University Pod. Uh, Jake, you've been working diligently this week on a particular episode yes. that's to drop this uh, Yeah, Sunday. I was going to say, do you want to tease it? I think we should tease it at the end of this episode just so people can, because we've been talking about around Are we going to give them a little dip? Yeah. Is, that, is that right, AC? Is that, we tease what the episode's yeah, about? Yeah, give yeah, them yeah. like a, give so, like a good no, minute or two. I mean, <laughs> go for it. So we're dropping on Father's Day. We're doing an episode where it's me, Jerome Chang, Michael Springthorpe and Shivani Banfall, where we each came up with our own list of the top 10 daddies in the MCU in honor of Father's Day once again. Um, <laughs> and we discussed it for two hours. 
and it is the funniest thing we've ever done and i'm really excited for you guys it, to hear it was it. it was such a fun time <laughs> i had such a great time doing it um i i hope it translates just as well for everyone listening yeah. jake's been editing it and he feels that uh we got ourselves a hit there yeah. but um yeah i i think you know if you don't if you don't subscribe no hard feelings that way but we're starting to put together some fun stuff in there so come join us yep yeah and the discord's um, cool yeah. too Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Shout out to the discord. Shout out to everybody. Some fun conversations have gone in, in there so far. Obviously, we released the Spider-Man episode uh, earlier this week. That was really fun. Um, we're going to continue to not only cover that, but obviously do some other stuff as we get closer to the end mm-hmm. of the month into July. And sure. we're going to have a nice little mix potpourri of things mm-hmm. uh, coming in the Patreon. So, yeah. Like I said, there's a lot of variants that are going to be popping up, but we're not trying to fix this timeline at this point. You're damn right. Yeah. <laughs> the, right. This, the, the, you know, is the, the main podcast feed, that's the sacred timeline. But the behind yes. the wall, that's where all variants are. Yes, exactly that. Um, all that said, again, echoing uh, AC's point, thank you so much, everyone, for supporting the Patreon, but just supporting us in general, listening along. Uh, We love you all, and uh, we'll catch you next time.